Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the LA area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. You'd open up your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Every once in a while, the Lord puts a passage, just one right after another, that I think is so appropriate for where we are. Connie, I spent a couple of days away after the ladies' retreat, just getting her refreshed a little bit. And as I was sitting there thinking, our world is in such tremendous turmoil. We, we live in a world where people can hide in anonymity behind computer screens in their mommy's basement, destroying the character of other people, and they do it in the name of religiousness. Notice I didn't say righteousness. And I think the passage before us is one that had there been computers and had there been bloggers, had there been websites, the Pharisees probably would have had one. They would have started some kind of ministry to tear down the ministry of Jesus. And I want to speak to you in our remaining time together about this criticism that Jesus is now going to receive because it is crucial that we as the church do not become prone to subversive criticism of what the Lord is doing. That was the heart of the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, the religious rulers of the day, engaging in nitpicking, fault-finding, literally plots. And it's time that the church wakes up to the reality that we are far stronger together against the enemy than we will ever be if we destroy one another's character. Amen? And so would you join me? We'll pray. We'll pick up here in verse 6 as Jesus now faces this subversive criticism. Father, thank you. Thank you for your strength in us. Lord, when we are weak, you are strong. And Lord, we pray for those who are prone to legalism and gossip and slander. Lord, the tearing apart of the character of others, thinking that somehow what your word plainly declares is not true, is somehow true that the anger and the wrath of man will never accomplish the righteousness of God. And so, Lord, if you need to correct some of us today, correct us. If you need to encourage and lift some of us up, please, Lord, we need you to do that. God, would you speak through your word and would we, your people, listen and obey in Jesus' name, amen. Verse six. And now it happened on another Sabbath also that he entered the synagogue and taught. And you can see now a pattern that is very clear here in Luke's gospel. This was Jesus' manner of ministry. 
he continued frequently and often to be found in a synagogue on Sabbath. I want you to notice something what comes next. And I want you to begin to think about your own situation, your own station in life. What would happen were you the one who came with this malady? Now, maybe you don't have this one, but I guarantee you, you all have maladies today. You all have witheredness. Every one of us does. Places that are shriveled by the devil's attack. Places that have been harmed by the relentless pursuit of others. And there was a man there whose right hand was withered. And so the scribes and the Pharisees watched him closely. And the word there in the Greek means that they literally spied on him. That there was a plot. That they invested their time, their talent, their treasure, their effort and energy in attempting to find fault in this situation. Whether he would heal on the Sabbath that he might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, go away until you show the fruits of repentance. Come back another day. I'm kind of busy right now. After all, it's been a little bit harsh this week. Brothers and sisters, it's important sometimes that we do a tad of interjection here as to what is missing from the text. What doesn't it say? Jesus never gave anybody a list of do's and don'ts. Go do this, come back tomorrow, and then I'll touch your soul. Then I'll heal your heart. Then I'll minister to you. But sometimes the church is guilty of placing conditions on people that the Lord would never place on a person. He said, arise and stand here. And he arose and stood. Now I want you to know this would have been hard for that man. He's embarrassed. Jewish culture being what it was, he would have been seen as an outcast. Likely many considered him cursed of God. It would have been embarrassing for him. And then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. One thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good? or to do evil, to save a life or destroy? May we ask that question in our own hearts today. What is the purpose of the church for what have we been called? Why is it that we gather together? What is it that we're about? And when he had looked around at them all, He said to the man, stretch out your hand. 
And he did so, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Perfect health, no condition. Not what will examine you for a period of time and see if you're worthy. Not we'll look at your life and determine for ourselves whether you're actually genuinely healed. And he did so, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Notice the response. And I want you to check your own heart right now. For those watching online and listening, I want you to check your own heart right now. Here's the response of faithless legalism. Here's the response of the person that thinks they know better than God. Here's the response of people who spend their time worrying about others instead of worrying about themselves, but they were filled with rage. They couldn't believe that Jesus would touch this man. They were angered at his healing and discussed one with another what they might do to Jesus. Does this scene strike anyone in the room as slightly insane? It does to me. As your pastor, it does to me. And I have lived through these types of things myself and know many others who have gone through them and are going through these very same situations. And I want to call the church to a place of understanding today. There is one Lord, there is one Savior, there is one Lord who is Lord of all, and it is only to him that we will give an account one day. We will not give an account one to another to get to heaven. We need to be careful, church, because we can become pharisaical We can think that we have it right, that we're the only ones who know the truth. This man's in misery. He's hurting. And Jesus' response is not to hurt him some more. It's not to crush his spirit. Jesus doesn't ask him, well, what was wrong with you that you were born in this family? How come you have this genetic deficiency? You know, what did you do to put yourself into this situation? There was no inkling, no hint from the Lord that the Lord was in any way, shape, or form concerned with how the man got there. Jesus didn't care. He cared that the man was hurting. He he cared that the man's soul was ripped asunder. He cared that the man had lived his whole life shunned. I want you to notice something. Jesus knew their thoughts. Might be a good thing for us to remember, church. Jesus not only knows what we're going to do, he also knows why we're going to do it. He knows why we're going to say it. He knows why we think it. He knows the motivation behind absolutely everything we ever do, think, or say. And so we need to be careful. 
I see in our political discourse a complete lack of ability for people to even be kind to one another. To simply have understanding. To look one another in the eye and say, I care for your soul. We may not agree, but I care about who you are as a person. Jesus was the lover of men's souls. And the church should be lovers of men's souls. We should care. I want you to notice Jesus' defense. In this sense, he deliberately violates the Sabbath. It's almost as if Jesus is again and again and again saying, look, I I want to talk to you about the nature of why I am your Sabbath, why I'm your rest. The Sabbath itself could never do what God intended. It was to be a picture. So men would look forward to that day when Christ would come and their souls, wearied from sinning, would finally be at rest and at peace with God. And it turned into rules and regulations, legalism. Instead of doing the right thing, they spoke what they thought were the right words. The Pharisees had turned God's gift of the Sabbath into a heavy yoke, so much so that the Apostle Paul would even write to that extent. He says, look, This is the burden that was laid on your ancestors and they couldn't bear it. It was too heavy. We don't need more heaviness in our world. We don't need more pain in our world. We don't need more judges. We need more healers. We need people willing to touch and to love. We need people who have the heart of Christ. You know, what's crazy is if you were to ask every person in that synagogue to a man, they would all say, of course, if you lose your sheep, go find it. Even if it's Sabbath. If it's got a broken leg, carry it. Anybody know one of the common allegorical ways of describing the body of Christ in Scripture? We're sheep. Amen? We're sheep. Jesus is saying, look, you would go after an actual sheep that will bite you, make you stink to high heaven, is completely dismissive of all of your effort to protect them. You would go after a sheep sheep, but you won't go after a sheep. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep hear my voice. Church, we need to care about sheep. Jesus cared about sheep. Jesus cared about you. Before you cared about you, Jesus cared about you. While you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you as a filthy sheep. 
How dare we dismiss the grace of God in such a way that we would say we no longer need his grace. We're like super sheep. We're shiny sheep. We're bright sheep. We're better than the rest of the sheep. And if you just look at us, I mean, we're, we're like, everybody wants to be a sheep like me. No. We're still all desperately in need of the grace of God. We still need the good shepherd. Brothers and sisters, I, I just, it grieves my soul. As the apostle Paul would write to the church at Galatia, speaking of that liberty that we have in God's grace, says, oh, how you have fallen. You tumble down the hill. You seek to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. You're worried about the conditions of the law and not about the condition of the soul. Church, please, we cannot be the group of people who can't rejoice when a withered hand is healed. As the Pharisees took this gift and turned it into a heavy yoke, God never intended the law to be a yoke. That wasn't his plan. A tutor, a schoolmaster, yes, to bring us unto Christ. But a yoke, never. A burden, never. Something impossible to bear, never. God didn't do that. Man did that. Sin did that. It is sin to take the grace of God and turn it into rules and regulations and law. It is sin. The church is guilty of sin. We've, we've become critical, mean-spirited and angry, many of us. And it needs to end. It needs to end. It is the love of God that leads men to repentance. It's never been the law of God that's led anyone to repentance. We're supposed to be known that we're actually believers by the way that we love one another, amen? And in fact, if the love of God is not in us, we cannot even declare that we are God's children. Why am I so passionate? Because the world does not need more politicking in the church. It doesn't need us to break into factions to where we can rebut one another consistently and constantly. We need to turn into a church that loves without reservation, that sees everyone the way we should want to be seen ourselves, deeply in need of the grace of God and the mercy of God every moment of every day. Without his forgiveness, I'm not seeing heaven. And I have his forgiveness. How? By his grace. Amen? Don't reject this truth. Notice the word faith and grace working together here. Jesus doesn't call this man to go do anything. 
He doesn't say, well, you know, we, we've got a program for this. We're going to send you off to physical therapy. We're going to get you a counselor. No, he simply touches them. As Jesus knew their thoughts, as they're sitting there together, as the scribes and the Pharisees are filled with fury over the fact this man is healed. Can you imagine? Now, I want to challenge you. Put this into a modern context. Walk into a hospital someday, and somebody is there with their loved one, and they've had a cardiac event, and they're doing CPR. They bring in the paddles, and they hit them. And their heart starts again, and you stand there going, God, can't believe God saved him. <laughs> Why would he do that? But yet the church does these things. The church looks at the salvation of someone and says, well, I shouldn't save that guy. I shouldn't save that woman. I mean, after all, do you know what they did? We need to grow up. We need to grow up spiritually, church. I am a sinner saved by the grace of God. And that's the only reason I'm going to heaven. I am not perfect. I am being perfected. I am a saint who's on the road of sanctification. I am a process that's ongoing right now. We need to stop looking at the end result that everyone thinks everybody ought to be and go, well, he's not there yet. <laughs> Let me just clue you in. I ain't there yet. I'm not there, and neither are you. And so why don't we try loving each other while we're in that process? <laughs> Amen? Jesus said, come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will make sure that you crumble to your knees. See, again, it helps us to understand what Jesus didn't say. I'll put a burden on you you'll never forget. No, he said, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Oh, brothers and sisters, would we be burden lifters and not burden casters? We're supposed to have rest for our souls. It's the beauty of what Paul wrote to the church at Rome. Having therefore been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Verse 6 of Romans 5. For while we were still without strength, no strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Not the already perfected. Not people who are already there. People who are on the journey. People who are still looking. The seekers and the searchers. The people you probably don't even like. The people that maybe some of you would wish were dead. Church. I was without strength. Weren't you without strength? That's where I met Jesus. Jesus. 
And may I never leave that place. Never. I'm still without strength. I still need his strengthening every day. Every moment of every day. I need the word working in my life. I need faith working in my life. I need grace working in my life. I need the God of the impossible to work out the impossible things in me. I don't need to be told how wretched I am. I already know that part of the story. We all have our own withered hand. Church, please don't be offended. We all have our own withered hand. Everyone in this room has a withered hand of some sort. I can't tell you what your withered hand is. Sometimes mine's just my emotions. Sometimes mine is being anywhere near a freeway in Southern California. <laughs> Sometimes mine is my vehement hatred. for people who are legalists. Yeah, you can carry that too far, too. We all have our withered hand. But the man who touched this man was Yahweh Adonai, my Lord and my master. Amen? He's my Lord. And he, he, he's saying to this man who has his problem is a real withered hand. Maybe yours is a shriveled heart of compassion. Maybe yours is a lack of tenderness and gentleness. Maybe yours is hatred. Maybe yours is racism. Maybe yours is you're a thief or a liar. Maybe yours is you're bitter and angry. Maybe your withered hand does not look like this man's withered hand, but it is withered nonetheless. Do you understand, church? We all have a withered hand. And the only answer for your withered hand is the same answer for my withered hand. It is a touch from the Lord Jesus. I need his touch. And without his touch, my hand remains withered. And for some, their hearts are shriveled. There's no compassion left in them. There's no tenderness, no gentleness. There's certainly no meekness, often no self-control. You see, we like to say, oh, and the fruit of the Spirit is, brother. And we forget the part about self-control, amen? The ability to recognize that I have a responsibility in the spirit realm to zip my lips to close my mouth and to speak not vain nor evil things. You see, church, I believe this word is a word for us. It's a word for me. So if you didn't get anything from today, I'm sorry, you just got my message then. It's just for me today. But I have a withered hand. 
And sometimes my heart has been withered. Sometimes my heart is withered. It's like, Lord, I can't take anymore. I can't go another mile. And all of a sudden, that interjection of God's grace plumps my heart back up, and it begins to beat. You see, church, we need to see each other this way. You see, when I look on you as I need to see myself, I have deep and abiding compassion for everyone. Everyone. It's like, Lord, I could be in that place. And as we close, Paul writing to the church at Corinth there in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, he says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves. Amen? If you think for a moment that you are the one self-sufficient person on this earth, can I clue you in? You're heading towards a brick wall at 70 miles an hour in a fiat. It's going to be a disaster because you're going to hit that wall and you are going to come undone just like everyone else comes undone. To think of ourselves as being anything from ourselves. But my sufficiency, our sufficiency is from God. He was made as sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. And Paul says something that you should have underlined in your Bible. The Holy Spirit, speaking through the Apostle Paul, gives us the truth that Jesus is elucidating in this passage. The letter kills. The letter of the law kills. It's always killed. It's never not killed. The letter kills. It is, in fact, only the spirit that gives life, isn't it? It's the spirit that gives life. That's why one of the things that happens to you when you say yes to Jesus Christ is the indwelling of the spirit, amen? It's the spirit of grace, isn't it? It's not the spirit of the law. You've been freed from the law. You've been freed from sin and death. The weight of the law was found in the law. We've been made alive in Christ by the Spirit. And church, we need to walk in the Spirit because that is the path that leads us to not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And how often we turn from that path and somehow we think what was begun in the Spirit, we can somehow perfect in the flesh. And we can't. I need to be a man of the Spirit. We need to be a church of the Spirit. And we need to reject the loveless law givers. And just say, Lord, let me see this through the eyes of your Spirit. Let me walk in a way that's well-pleasing to you. Let me turn my eyes from evil and vain things and towards heaven, where my anchor of my hope is. Amen? I am not anchored in hope to this world. If you have hope in this world, come and talk to me after service. There's no hope in this world. It's going to burn one day, okay? 
I'm not saying that's going to be next week. But I'm telling you this. That if there's anything that I know, Jesus taught us the supremacy of his love. He, he didn't say to this man, well, you can earn it yourself. He said to this man, arise, be healed. Amen? So no matter what your witheredness is, it doesn't matter what it is. God wants to touch your witheredness right now. Would you stand with me? I'm going to ask you to bow your hearts, bow your heads. As the worship team comes back out. I think it would be very appropriate for us to do some business with God this morning. And I'm just going to ask you if there's an area of witheredness in your life right now and you want God to touch it, maybe you're that person that's struggling with anger or bitterness or hate or hurt. Maybe there's a physical malady, something going on in your life, or more importantly, maybe today you came in and you do not know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, but you want to know Jesus today, right now. Today for you is the day of salvation. If you would like me to pray for you, with you right now, would you simply lift up your hand and say, I have a withered spot in my life and I, I want it to be touched by the King because he can make sure that that witheredness is dealt with. Thank you, Jesus, for the hands that are raised all over the sanctuary. Just put your hand up. Admit to the Lord that there's witheredness in your life and you're tired of it. You don't want to give it space or place anymore. Brothers and sisters, it's no shame to admit your fault before God and say, Lord, I am withered in my soul and I need your touch right now. Father, thank you for these hands that are raised. And Lord, you know every single one of them. But Lord, my hand is raised with them. We raise our hands to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. And we say, God, take our withered places, our shriveled, dried hearts, Lord, that have been hurt and pierced. We need you, Lord, to touch us. And God, for each hand that's raised, it's a sign of faith. And so, Lord, please, according to each, you know every thought in this room. You know what every one of us has need of. And we're asking you in abundance to give in great measure, exceedingly and abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think of you, Lord. And so touch these hearts. These raised hands represent hearts, Lord. Heal them. Father, for those that do not know you right now today, Lord, would they confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. For you alone are Savior. You're the only name whereby anyone can be saved. And so for those that need a touch from you, for their salvation, God, would you convince and convict of the truth of the gospel that you, Jesus, are the one true king you came to seek and save that which is lost you lived your life in perfect sinlessness while you were here you died on calvary's cross you were raised three days later by the power of the holy spirit 
and you live forevermore to make intercession for us and by believing in your name we shall be saved and so Lord thank you for touching us thank you for saving us thank you for healing us in Jesus name Amen thanks for listening and we hope you were encouraged by today's message if you have any questions or just want to check us out make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org God bless you guys and we'll see you next week.